Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwall Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 16 of Charmed. Death Takes a Hallowell. I feel like I might have liked this episode more than you did. It's not, like, great or groundbreaking or anything, but it's a solid Prue episode. You know, when we're way past the point I thought we got solid Prue episodes. Well, I think I thought this episode was solid, but we've had a run of really great episodes, so it suffers by comparison. True. Also, Phoebe's doing this weird little girl voice. What is happening? Okay, I have a whole thing about... It's not specifically about Phoebe's weird baby voice, but the show's taken this weird direction with Cole... Where, like, I feel like two episodes ago, Phoebe was abandoning him in a mausoleum, and he's like, I'm going to steal your heart, Phoebe. I'm never giving up on the two of us. And now they're just, like, a couple. Okay, to be honest, I kind of love that. I kind of love that now they're just a couple and everyone accepts it. (laughs) But we should get into that. Yes, uh, the episode opens on a location shot. Weird. Yeah, they're on a beach, and it's, like, super windy when they're filming. Like, you can tell it's it's not a fun film day. This must have been a nightmare, but, yeah. <laughs> Especially because uh, you, we can see the wind, like, blowing. Uh, Alyssa Milano is wearing a windbreaker, and Shannon Doherty is just wearing a tank top that's tied to expose her midriff, she has got to be freezing out there. She really, really, and I'm assuming this wasn't shot in San Francisco because obviously, but it's a pretty cold place. Like, there's no way Shannon Doherty is warm right now. Mm-mm. So Phoebe was building a sandcastle while Prue took pictures of her. Remember, Prue's a photographer. And she's like, I don't understand why you would build something that's just going to be destroyed. And Phoebe's like, yeah, that's the point. It's like a zen exercise. Impermanence is what makes it special. Keep this in mind in case this is a thing in the rest of the episode, but the impermanence of something is what makes it special. So Prue is not in a great mood, and she finally reveals to Phoebe that she didn't want to tell her this because she didn't want to spoil the beach for her as a concept. But this is the same place that Grams took them right after... Their mom died. Right after Patty's funeral. So she has very bad associations with this, but for Phoebe, it's just a fun place. And Phoebe's like, well, damn it, Prue. If you'd said that, we wouldn't have gone here. She's like, fine, let's go get coffee. So Prue mentions that seeing her mom at Piper's wedding brought up all of these, you know... My mom died when I was really young, and I never really properly dealt with it because I was almost immediately parentified by Graham's Mm -hmm. feelings. Yeah. And, yeah, this whole episode is going to be Prue kind of dealing with the fallout of seeing her mom and being, like, kind of reminded of that very early wound. Again, this is one of the reasons why Patty is a character who has a gravitas around her death that that grams never has even though i mean grams comes back more but they both come back fairly regularly as ghosts and or i don't know what would you call them revenants spirits no because they have physical form when they decide that they're done with doing the ghost thing and they can just summon the dead back to life in physical human form oh yeah yeah whatever the hell patty was last episode so 
Prue talks about how she's angry about Patty's death and Phoebe is just sad. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, I mean, I, I feel for Prue losing all of these moments with her mother and even, even this, like her mother coming back to be there for Piper's wedding must feel like cold comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Because you let, you... You don't have all the little moments. Even if Patty can be there for the big times in life, mm-hmm. that's not really enough. Yeah, yeah. It, it's why rom-coms aren't, like, a good summation of human behavior. Because romance isn't just in these big grand gestures you do every once in a while. It's in the little things you do every day. Yeah, and also, like, the mundane things. Like, spending a weekend playing all the way through rock band. Yeah. I I doubt that the uh I doubt that the elders will let Patty come down just to play just to play rock band all weekend with her girls. Although they are pretty liberal with uh Grams. Grams can basically just come down whenever. I think Grams is beyond them, even though for some reason Patty isn't. Grams did mention that she's beyond them at one point when she went to speak to their manager about the Leo and Piper situation, which apparently worked. Yeah. Grams is a good woman to have on your side. I mean, she's basically the Endora of this show. Mm. So, Prue is taking some last pictures before they leave the beach, and she sees a woman up on the dunes taking pictures of her, and also sees a weird kind of shadow thing next to her. So she takes a picture of it, because it's clearly demonic in some way. But before she can talk to the woman, she runs off. I mean, I get the instinct to take a picture of the woman to, you know, so you can identify her later, but she seems genuinely surprised later in the episode that the uh, shadow didn't show up in the pictures, which, why would it? It's clearly a magic thing. Yeah, I I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't have an answer for you. She saw it through the viewfinder, so she thinks it should have appeared. So, back at Cole's old apartment... There are these two uh, demons that we'll later learn are called Seekers, who are just your classic, like, auditor figures, guys in business suits who talk all, uh, all professional, looking for, looking for Cole. I don't get why they didn't bring back those, uh, guys with the fingernails from the, uh, episode with that guy who had the tablet that had the answers to everything. Because these guys are basically information vampires. They uh, they bite your spinal fluid and suck out your brain juices, and then they know everything you knew. Yep. They're trying to hunt down Cole. And they, uh, they're talking to Cole's landlady, who assumes that they're a gay couple trying to rent an apartment, which is, whoa, it's wacky, which... She's like, she's like, you know... I, I, I'm okay with that kind of thing as long as you're not too loud about it. And I'm like, lady, this is, you're in San Fran fucking Cisco. What I, the hell? I was about to say, a gay couple in San Francisco? Preposterous. But like, whatever. It doesn't matter. They kill her and they drain her information. And uh, she turns out she doesn't know squat about Cole. Yep. But she does have a bunch of memories of Phoebe coming to his apartment. So uh, it might be a place for them to start. Yep, they have their they have their next their next step. Also, the cop that uh, was investigating. Right, Cole. right. She has memories of him looking for Cole. 
You know what I like about these guys? They have fangs, but their fangs are where their eye teeth are, hmm. further back, like your actual pointy teeth, not not towards the front like most fake vampire teeth are. Yeah, it's, it's a good touch. If it's this... weird that they don't out and out call them vampires. I know they later do have vampires in one episode, but like, come on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they say they're similar to vampires, but yeah. There's probably a lot of offshoot demon species. There's probably a lot of species that um, are similar to vampires. Yeah. So, yeah, they are going to hunt down coal, and this is, uh, you know, credits. So it's been a big thing for the past few episodes, and I figured I'd mention it now, but we are not getting the 10,000 years of panning shots of San Francisco anymore. I know, it was like three seconds this episode, like three seconds opening shot of San Francisco. Yeah, we just got a little bit of the bridge and then bam, right to the house. I guess it's because they've been having fuller episodes, although not full enough to, you know, get rid of this awful, barely a subplot where Leo and Piper are going to go to White Lighter Land to get the White Lighter's blessing on their marriage. Well, it's more like to... to do the do the rounds right like the white lighters didn't come to their wedding so they have to have a little white lighter reception and phoebe with the worst hair on earth comes in and is like oh can i go to heaven too and leo's like not until you fix whatever's going on up there i mean i feel like what's going on there is that she spent a day at a windy beach but like i don't I don't feel like this was done for realism's sake. I don't I don't know what's happening here. It looks like she got a perm and then decided she didn't want a perm and kind of half washed it out. Oh, yeah, I could kind of see that. It's it, it's I don't know what's happening here at all. Anyway, Prue developed the pictures she took and the shadow didn't show up on the pictures. Shocker. But I do like at this point that Phoebe's like, well, okay, it was magical, but I, you saw it, I believe it. We don't have to go through that whole rigmarole that I feel like we ha- were doing even earlier in this very season where it was like, what, fairies? I don't know. I can't see them. They must not be real, even though we're witches. Yeah, I do appreciate that Phoebe's like, yeah, okay, it's probably something real. It's probably, you know, related directly to you, so I don't have to worry about it, whatever. There's a knock at the door, and it's Inspector What's-His-Bucket, that uh, IA guy, or what is it? It's like the DA's office internal investigations. Okay, well, that's what they said he was originally, I think, but when Phoebe opens the door, she calls him Inspector, so he must be associated with the police. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's investigating Cole's disappearance, and he tells Phoebe that Mrs. Owens died, and... That he's holding her responsible because obviously Cole murdered her and obviously she's helping Cole and he's not going to stop until they're both dead or in jail. And then he, you know, flounces away angrily, which... Okay, I'm not going to say that this is unrealistic because unfortunately it is not, but it bothers me that he's making this assumption here that Phoebe is protecting Cole, which, I mean, she is, but... In situations like this, Phoebe would be in, in, in more, more often than not, Phoebe would herself be in danger, right? Like, she finds out that her very powerful boyfriend is a killer and he disappears. Like, I would be concerned for Phoebe's safety. And this inspector is just, like, certain that she's done something wrong, too. And 
like I said, unfortunately, that's not actually unrealistic. Yeah, so he yells at her a whole bunch about how clearly Cole's responsible for this murder and both she and Cole are going to go down for it. And then he stomps down their stairs and uh, Bruce's like, so you think Cole killed that lady? And Phoebe's like, no. Like, I mean, we know that there's literally scores of demonic bounty hunters after Cole it's probably one of the dozens of demons who wants to kill Cole, right? Like, that's the logical thing to assume here. And Prue's like, well, you don't have to convince me. Too bad you can't just tell the cops about demons. And then the inspector walks to his car, and there is literally no reason for this woman to get out of the car. But the woman who was taking pictures of Prue on the beach gets out of the car to, like, talk to the inspector for a second before they both get back into the same car. Yeah, there's there's no reason for... A, there's no reason for her to be there, and B, there's no reason for her to get out of the car to have a conversation with him when they're just going to both get back into the same car and drive away. But she has to do that so that Prue can see her, know that she's the person from the beach, and she still sees that shadow figure following the woman. And Phoebe doesn't see it in real life either, but she she's like, well, if you see it, it's there. And if you see it, that must mean that uh, this is your job. You go after her. I'm just going to sit here and think about Cole and also go to the mausoleum and talk to him because I think I'm Buffy for some reason. So I have to go to the crypt where he lives. Yeah. Again, real strong Buffy vibes. I guess they're meeting up here because, in theory, although God knows it never works out that way in practice, a cemetery is sacred ground where demons can't go except that's not really been a thing yeah no i don't think that's um i guess it's just a location that isn't the hollowell manor so that demons don't follow cole back to the hollowell manor i would also expect that it would be harder to locate him here i guess although we know that the only way that demons can find him is when he uses his shimmer so or any of his powers but specifically shimmering is the one that he's Mostly sticking with because he's trying to avoid demons and also suppress his demon half, which... Anyway, Phoebe's worried about him and he's more worried about bringing demons after her because, of course, he knows that the best way to get to him would be to attack Phoebe and he doesn't want the demons to know that. It's all very romantic. Or something. Demons are gonna attack her anyway. She's a charmed one. I mean, right. Are you worried? I mean, I guess you should be worried that extra demons are going to attack her, but like, at a certain point, does it matter? I see. I don't think it does. It's she's she's got more of a target on her back than you do. The reason you have a target on your back is because you didn't kill her. <laughs> and I guess people are mad about him killing the triad, which eh, eh, it's the triad. Come on. Eh. So the inspector is in the car with the woman who is a private investigator that he has sent to keep an eye on the Hallowell sisters. And she's like, okay, I've been following them. And they literally just are like women who walk around and and go to the beach and get their nails done. Like, I, there's nothing here. And he's like, well, keep digging. I know there's something up with these sisters. Which, to be fair, he's right. Yeah. And she's like, there's something you're not telling me. And he's like, you don't have to worry about it. It'll just put you in more danger if you do. And she's like, I don't think that's how that works. I don't think being aware of what the people I'm up to who I'm stalking are up to. I, I don't think that... I, I, I feel like that doesn't put me in any more danger. I'm still stalking these people, right? Like, Right? <laughs> uh. But we get the... 
it's a good scene for establishing that this is someone he he's known for a long time, someone he's comfortable with, not just in a work capacity. He tells her that she needs to be extra careful, and she's like, oh, you, you're always looking after me. We're such good friends. We have an emotional connection that would be very affected if one of us died. And Meanwhile, um, the stalky has become the stalker because Prue is following them and watching all of this go down. Do you think she sent her astral self out there? I oh, mean, prob- I don't know. Probably not, but I feel like that would be the smart thing to do if you're stalking someone because then you can just disappear. That would have been the smart thing to do, but we saw her walk out of the manor, so no, I don't think she did. Yeah. So Cole and Phoebe go back to Cole's apartment so that they can try to use his incredibly ill-defined powers to figure out what's going on and who's, you know, who killed his landlady and who's after them. And so that Phoebe can try to get a premonition, although he's like, don't touch anything because this place is filled with demonic essence. So uh, just try to get a premonition with the back of your hand. Also, it's an active crime scene. Oh yeah, that too. (laughs) Probably not a good idea to leave fingerprints. Although yeah, I she guess. was in the apartment, although I guess they probably cleaned it since then. Oh, I feel like her her fingerprints would be all over the place. Cole talks about how uh, in this apartment is really where he became human for the first time because he was pretending to be a district attorney to get close to her and also actually working at the district attorney's office, so saying he was pretending is kind of weird. But anyway, so... The moments where he was in this apartment with her were the first times he really felt human. And that it was just an act at first and then it became too real. I like the trope where humanity is so infectious that when creatures take the form of humans or pretend to be human, they end up, like, becoming truly human and there's there's not much that can be done about it. But Phoebe gets a premonition of the inspector getting killed by the two vampire guys and Prue being there, but turning away and doing nothing. Okay, this is kind of a weird premonition. Like, there, there's no reason she should have gotten this premonition here in this in this particular apartment. Like, yes, the Seeker demons were here, but this really, really feels like in a role-playing game when you're just so completely off track and the DM has to make up a thing to happen to put you back on the right track. So it's like, okay, Phoebe, you get a, you get a premonition of those guys, except that they're here doing this. So uh, the private detective lady goes to, I guess, Inspector Davidson's office. Yeah, he told her to leave the... He had told her to go there and drop off the pictures she took, so... And the demons are waiting because I know we made it sound like the big thing that they learned from the landlady was that Phoebe was there. But the big thing that they chose to focus on, possibly due to sexism, is that there was a man hunting Cole. And perhaps he would already have information on where Cole is, which is ragingly optimistic of them. So, um... They know he's a demon, right? Like, they know Cole's a demon and that the human police probably don't have a... Well, in fact, we we see Prue show up in the hallway and then we cut back. The demons have already drained her and they're like, yeah, she her didn't know anything. Her being the photographer her being, her being the, the private investigator. The yeah. non-Prue photographer lady. And they're like, yeah, she didn't know anything. And then Prue runs in and sees a, uh, a man, a blonde man in all black, uh, take, take her soul, the... the private investigator's soul out of her body and 
crew's like, wait, what's happening? And he's like, I'm death. I'm bringing her to the afterlife. And Prue's like, well, I'm going to stop you. And he's like, someone didn't read that fairy tale. Someone didn't read Jack Jacket in the Sack fairy tale. Somebody didn't read, I don't know, anything. It's This is the most common story ever. Xena did this. Although I do like, um, I do like the kind of modern interpretation of death as just, you know, a guide. Yeah. In, um, you know, in Sandman, in Terry Pratchett's books. I, I, I like this kind of relatively recent take on death. Yeah. And uh, we will see it more throughout the episode, but death is not a malicious figure. Death is sad for the people who are left behind, but death in and of itself is not evil. Mm-hmm. It is just an inevitable thing that happens to everyone. So back at the manor, Phoebe is looking through the Book of Shadows. She finds the Seekers, and she finds the spell to vanquish them. And she's like, Cole, check it out! And Cole's like, I'm going to stay away from the book. And then immediately Prue comes in and is like, Cole, you're too close to the book. I don't like this. I do like that Phoebe's like, Cole, it's okay. You're good now. The book will sense that you're good and won't blast you with magical electricity until you crumble into dust. And Cole's like, still hard pass. Mm-mm. Prue comes in and she yells at Cole for being too close to the book. And Cole's like, A, I'm not touching the book. And B, when I was evil, the book was never really my goal. My goal was, you know, killing you, which clearly it isn't now. And Prue's like, oh, you're, you're just... You're winning no points with me, dude. Hey, I haven't tried to kill you for, like, days. So. Cole is going to go after the Seekers, and. Phoebe points out that he can't vanquish them without the power of three. No, no. She lies and says there's no spell to vanquish them, even though it's right there in the Book of Shadows. Weird. Weird. Yeah. But this whole scene is interrupted by... Leo and Piper orbing back from heaven with a gift from the elders. It's a Himalayan uh, rock salt lamp. You know, the ones that, that they sell to, like, cure imbalances? Yeah, it's it's a glowing rock lamp thing that the elders gave them to represent their everlasting love. And Piper fucking hates it she's like it's so bright i don't like it it's fine it's like it's not it's, it's not that lamp. offensive it's i mean it, maybe it's not everyone's taste but it's it's not even that big like just stick it in a corner in the basement my god yeah, you have this giant ass house you can find some place to put this but also you've got like a million lamps in your house like there's so many lamps in this living room already. One more is not going to make a huge difference. It's true. It's like they were playing lamps and they won. Exactly. It's one of the things you don't really think about until you think about it, but there are just so many lamps in this room. It's like when we did our Once Upon a Time podcast and there were just so many globes in Rumpelstiltskin's shop. Yes. But, yeah, this is... It's barely a subplot. It feels weird that it's here, but... Piper being mad at the lamp that the elders gave them as a wedding gift is going to be a runner through the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think it's just that they needed to give Brian Krause and Holly Marie Combs something to do. You don't. It's fine. I don't know. They were probably contractually obligated to do so. They could have just had the thing where, oh, we're going up to heaven to, you know, get congratulated by the elders. And then they come back after Prue learns her lesson about death and they're like, we're back. (laughs) 
great. Andy said hi. I'm kidding. Oof. <laughs> Oof. We're not even thinking about... It's weird that Andy doesn't come up in this episode, actually. Well, I think you're right. We're not thinking about Andy anymore. We don't talk about Andy. We do not talk about Andy, but... Yeah, it's really bizarre that Prue's mom's death is sort of the impetus for her weird revenge plot against death this episode, which I guess makes sense because she just saw her mom Mm -hmm. and it brought back a lot of feelings, whereas she hasn't even thought about Andy in a while. Well, I mean, I think losing a parent is a different kind of loss. Yeah, and it, I mean, it messed her up pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Prue being messed up, Phoebe tells her her premonition that she's going to just watch the inspector die and turn her back on it. And Prue's like, um, no, that doesn't sound like me. And Phoebe's like, well, you know, if it was you, that'd be pretty handy considering the whole him hunting Cole thing. Oof. Oof. (laughs) She doesn't. She doesn't. But, you know, it's... God, this this is a kind of a running thing for all of charmed i guess like every season or so there is a cop or an fbi agent or someone who wants to expose the sisters or find out what their deal is or in the last season use them to hunt government magic crimes oh man that that plot is a mess i can't wait to talk about it and it completely fizzles out like like, it gets just dropped. The FBI has them on retainer for, like, three episodes to deal with magical threats to the, to the United States government. And then it's dropped, and it just never comes up. They're like, yeah, they decided they didn't want to work with us anymore. Billy! Well, I mean, can't blame them. <laughs> the sisters are kind of monsters in the last season. Yeah. Anyway, back at the police station, or whatever it is, the inspector is very upset that the private investigator was killed. He's like, Damn it, I should have just told her what was going on. And we see that the Seekers are in the building waiting for the inspector. And Cole shows up. He tells the inspector, you know what? I'm the one you want. You should just talk to me. And uh, we should get out of here because there are brain vampires here. So uh, he grabs him and shimmers away. Yeah, because the, the inspector's like, what the hell are you talking about? You clearly murdered that old woman and then murdered my partner subordinate let's say let's go with partner yeah contractor friend yeah my teddy to my bob belcher (laughs) but yeah cole's like look i don't have time for your oh magic's real whatever yeah i'm just gonna shimmer you away because there are demons coming to kill you bloop which is unfortunate because of course the only way that they can really track cole is through his magic so oops yeah anyway kind of just pushed back the inevitable a little bit more he's trying to explain to the inspector that he's one of the good guys even though he just grabbed him and shimmered him into a crypt not a thing you associate good guys with but eh. and the inspector's like look okay clearly i am way way over my head like i know i was being dodgy with my friend about what i thought you were But clearly I was way off because you have legit magic powers. Just let me go and I will drop the whole thing. And Cole's like, no, there are demons trying to get you now. So I need to protect you. It's a whole thing. I can't just let you go. Okay, did we... Do we know what the inspector thought Cole's deal was? 
No, I I mean I I know that he thought he was a murderer. I guess he maybe thought he had like mob connections or something. I don't know. Or like he was doing cult shit. Yeah, cuz like he was aware that something weird was going on with Cole, but he seems very 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 surprised by the existence of magic. So. Mhm. Maybe he's just surprised that the cult stuff actually worked. Like he thought he was part of some secret fake underground religion thing, but then it turned out, oops, this is the one true faith. Yeah, that's that's what I think. That's what I think. Surprise, magic is real and some guy's using it to murder people. So, now that the inspector's gone, he has disappeared, Phoebe realizes immediately that Cole must have grabbed him and shimmered him into the mausoleum. So Prue's gonna go down there. Prue's gonna astral project down there and protect the inspector since that is where Phoebe's premonition says that he dies. And Leo says, uh, but you can't vanquish him because you need a power three spell to vanquish the Seekers. So I don't know what the deal was with what it seemed like Phoebe was lying to her, but I I guess at some point between then and now she got filled in that there is a power three vanquish spell in the Book of Shadows. Eh. But Prue's like, look, I just need to hold them off long enough for you to show up and do a rhymey thing. And if Leo's there, can he just teleport everyone? Um, they ask him to, and he's like, I'm not a taxi service. Oh, you very much are. <laughs> it's basically all you do. You, I mean, I guess he's more of an ambulance because he, he brings people to places and he also heals them. Well, do you remember when that thing was going around Twitter where somebody was saying about calling an ambulance and how expensive it was and uh, someone else was like well then don't call an ambulance it's not a taxi to the hospital and it was like yeah it is if it's not a taxi to the hospital what would you say it was it's a taxi to the hospital that stops you from dying en route yeah whatever anyway down in the mausoleum. Cole is sexy talking right into the inspector's face about how he's going to die if he goes out into the real world. And then uh, a voice from behind rings out, Oh, he doesn't have to go into the real world to die. <laughs> yep, the Seekers traced Cole through his shimmer, obviously. And now they're here to kill him. And he's like, leave the inspector alone. It's me you want. And they're like, yes. That is literally the case. <laughs> we, we literally could not care less about this guy now that we have you. This whole thing could have been avoided if you just came to us instead of grabbing him and shimmering away. And then Prue astral projects into the tomb. And the inspector's like, for crying out loud, you have magic powers too. And one of the seekers is like, well, well, well. The great Belthazar is in bed with a witch. And Prue's like, ew, gross. Which... I rude yeah rude he's sleeping with your sister and also rude have you seen cole right i mean he's head and tails above anyone you've ever dated on this show i mean head and tails i mean andy was hot but he's fine he was hot in like the first three episodes before he got turned into a cardboard man he's not as hot as julian mcmahon he is not as hot as julian mcmahon although he was very very cut which I don't think was as much of a thing back then. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I just remember being surprised when we, we did a Buffy rewatch, and I was like, I remembered Riley being just, like, incredibly jacked and cut, and he wasn't. Like, he was shirtless a lot, and he was in good shape, but he was in, like, regular person good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I remembered him being, like, 
big ripped guy but the overton window on male shirtlessness has shifted so far thanks to the marvel movies and right the CW. it's become very unhealthy so one of the demons throws the inspector into the wall and this this is deadly to him because he's immortal and uh real world rules apply apparently and death comes to take him Cole is fighting the two Seekers while Prue is fighting Death, except she's, like, kicking him and punching him and everything's just going through him because he's Death, and Cole can't see Death. So Cole, from his point of view, it's just Prue kicking the air while he fights off two demons. Awkward for Cole. Awkward for Prue. But Death is just sitting there as Prue's fists and feet go through his face and he's like you know what we're going to have a conversation later but you need to know that this isn't the end of it and he voips out and cole's like hey prue you want to help me out and the seekers disappear too because cole throws a fireball thing at them and they shimmer away to avoid getting hit but it's awkward because the way it's filmed i feel like makes it look like he hit them and killed them, but they're not dead yet. They show up later. So he just sh- they just shimmered away to avoid the, the fireball. Meanwhile, Piper and Leo are still arguing about that stupid... Shouldn't you be driving over there or something? I think they thought Prue had it under control. Okay, whatever. So, Piper and Leo are continuing to argue over the stupid lamp when Cole comes in with the inspector's unconscious body just flung over his shoulder and he's like can someone take care of this and he dumps him on the ground and uh and phoebe's like so what happened and cole's like well i fought off two demons well prue did a tai chi routine in the air cole's like you were just kicking the air and prue's like i fought off the angel of death and then she goes over to leo and she's like the angel of death's a guy right like that's a real thing and leo's like i mean yeah no one hangs out with him at like white lighter parties or whatever but also he's not evil yeah he's not evil he's a real guy who just does a job he is leo very specifically says that he's neither good nor evil he just is a thing and prue's like well he's obviously evil he kills people and leo's like look Let's not peel back the who's evil for killing people thing. Also, he doesn't kill people. Death happens naturally. He just guides people over to the other side. Yeah. So, Prue gets on Cole's case, and and honestly, Phoebe gets on his case a little too, about him using his demonic powers and outing himself to the inspector. And he's like, I was doing it so he would stop going after you. And they're all like, but... You're more dangerous to us than he is. You're a demon. And it's just like, oh my god, can you all get off of his case? He hasn't tried to kill you in days. I know I already made that joke, but seriously, everyone needs to calm down about Cole. Well, Phoebe says the same thing that Prue says about him being more dangerous to them. Yes, because he's a demon, but as... as phoebe puts it she's like look you are part of our family unit now Mm -hmm. the two of us are romantically together 
even though like two episodes ago I was like, I'll never be with you, never. But now we're a couple and there's no issues. But that means that you have information about us most people don't. So if you had lost that fight against the information vampires, and Cole's like, oh, they would have enough information to know how to easily kill all of you. I mean, is that information walk into their unwarded home? The home that everybody knows where it is? <laughs> I mean, seriously, the demons could just invest in dynamite. <laughs> right? I do think there's an interesting little, like, mini-theme going on, though, because they're upset that Cole, you know, took all this upon himself without telling them because he was trying to protect them, but he just put them in more danger by keeping them in the dark. And we also saw that with the inspector, where he thought that he was protecting the private investigator by not telling her everything, but he was then blaming himself for not giving her the information she needed to keep herself safe. So there's like a nice little mini theme there about like information and secrecy and how the real way to keep people safe. So Leo orbs up to the elders to get some advice about the whole angel of death thing, I guess. And the inspector wakes up just as Leo orbs away. So it's like, what is going on? Does he think all magic is just different kinds of teleportation now? I mean, do the writers of Charmed think that? Because I think they might. We talked about that a little bit last time. So the inspector pulls a gun on... Phoebe and Piper and Prue and Cole. And Cole's like, look, demon, witch, witch, witch. A gun is not going to do anything. And Piper's like, I mean, maybe not to you. (laughs) Piper is very, very aware that getting shot would be deadly to a witch. Perhaps something you should keep in your back pocket for this season finale. Ooh. But, uh... Yeah, Prue tells the inspector that demons are after him. And also the angel of death, that she saw the angel of death stalking him. So she's going to do everything she can to protect him from demons and the angel of death, but he needs to cooperate just the tiniest bit. And he's like, uh, no. He runs out of the room and Cole's like, why didn't you stop him? And they're like, because we're the good guys. We don't kidnap cops. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure you guys have kidnapped innocents before. Oh, yeah. Also, did Piper just forget that she has superpowers? Yeah, she could... That's really weird, right? Like... She could have just frozen him, but... Eh. She could have frozen time, grabbed the gun, and then perhaps he would have been more uh, willing to stop and talk to them. Oh, well. Anyway... Prue goes back to the beach to uh, cast a spell to confront the Angel of Death so she can fight him in the place where she's strongest, a beach. Yeah, the, the beach that she hates because it reminds her of her mother's death. And the Angel of Death shows up and he's like, do you really want to talk about stuff? Because, like, I have a really busy job and I can't go through this every time some witch feels bad that mommy died 20 years ago. And Prue's like, shut up, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know my life. And Death's like, I mean, I kind of do. Your mom died, so you're mad at me, so you're trying to stop me from taking this other guy who's going to die no matter what you do. Because, I don't know if you know this, death is an inevitability. And you just need to accept it. You need to accept it pretty fast, Prue. 
You need to accept it within the next, I don't know, six episodes or so. Okay, okay, so we don't put clips at the beginning of shows anymore, at the beginning of our podcast episodes, for copyright reasons, but we used to do that on our Once Upon a Time podcast, and if we still did that, we would definitely be using the Simpsons clip from the episode where Homer stops going to church, and then he's talking to God at the end. And God's like, I can't tell you that till you die. Homer says, I can't wait. And God says, you can't wait six months? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. So I do like the turn of phrase that Death has here. Um, he tells, when, when Prue first summons him, he says, I don't have all day. I have many people to see who definitely do not have all day. <laughs> yeah. I really like this take on Death because he's not nice yeah he's a jerk yeah but when he was collecting what's her face assault he wasn't like mean to her he was like okay come on let's he's a guy who has a job to do and honestly he's a little honked off at prue because she's interrupting the job just so that she can work out her own issues but you know at the end of the day he is the universe's uber driver He's, he shows up, he's there to take you to your destination, he doesn't necessarily want to make conversation. Yeah, and uh, he's like, look, take my hand, I'm not going to hurt you, it's not your time yet, but I want to show you something. And Prue uh, takes his hand and he death teleports, it, it's an okay effect, they kind of shrink into these weird gray smears similar to the smears that she saw next to yeah similar to the the smoke effect thing i i think it's um it's it almost seems like it's they're becoming interdimensional like they're traveling via you know it's more plane shifty than yes exactly that was what i was trying to say so piper and phoebe have followed the inspector to the funeral of uh his work friend who god they threw this funeral together fast it is like the next day Maybe she's Jewish. Oh, we know she's Jewish. Uh, That's a thing, right? You have to do Jewish funerals very quickly. Yeah. We do know that she's Jewish. We see i uh, I'm pretty sure we see a rabbi. That makes sense, then. But, yeah. I mean, it, it still seems like a lot of logistics to basically be doing it the next day, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Phoebe's like, God, it's so weird. Why would he hide out from demons at a, in a in a cemetery? Which I feel like makes a lot of sense, but whatever. But also, yeah, Phoebe, they're at a funeral. He, he he went to a funeral. He's not hiding out from the demons. Speaking of, the demons show up behind him, and they're like, "So, do you want us to ruin this funeral by murdering you in the middle of it, or do you want to go to a secondary location?" And he's like, "Look, let's just go to a secondary location. I don't want to mess up my friend's funeral." So he's going right to Cole's mausoleum. Or, or it's it's a mausoleum. I don't know if it's the one that Cole is living in the basement of. Mm. It's pretty nice. I feel like it's a it's a different mausoleum. It's very well lit. There's flowers. This looks very well attended. Probably not a good place to hide out. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of mausoleum where people, like, are in those drawers in the walls as opposed to, like, TV mausoleums where it's just a casket in the middle of the room. Yeah. Which is what Cole lives in. I do love that the demons lock the door behind them, which stops the two out of the three charmed ones from just breaking into the room. Yes. And the inspector's like, you thought I was going to go quietly, but surprise! And he pulls out his gun and he shoots them a bunch and they're like, demons, 
What part of this do you not get? Demons. Have you not been paying attention the last couple of days? And they're like, look, we're not actually going to get that much out of murdering you, but, eh, demons, so. I mean, it seems at this point, I mean, they were there with Cole and the inspector. He obviously doesn't know, like, anything. So, Death and Prue teleport into the corner of the room, uh, just as the demons are tearing the inspector to shreds. And Death's like, look, it's not pretty, but it is a part of life. Everyone dies. It's his time. It's his time. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You can't fight it. When people are going to die, they are going to die. And if you are going to be a witch, if you are going to fight against evil, you need to get used to the idea that you can't save everyone And you also need to process the deaths of the people you can't save. This is not, as I've said many times, death is an inevitability, but it is also something you have to deal with. You can't hide it. You can't hide behind anger. You can't just push it down and ignore it. You need to feel this. Or else it will break you. So this is Phoebe's premonition. So Prue turns away. Well, you know, the inspector's being murdered. But, um, I'm not... I'm not... Buying it? Yeah, like... I, I mean... I feel like this episode would be stronger if... If what happened was... Prue saved the inspector... Saw the consequences... Had there were some sort of consequences with interfering with death... And then they had to go back to this moment and she had to not save him, Right. Which is what they do in later death episodes, because this is a theme they will revisit multiple times throughout the course of the show. Well, I mean, there are a lot of stories of death that are structured like that, and that makes more sense, because what exactly stopped Prue from saving him? What exactly was the lesson that she learned prior to just jumping in and trying to kick the Seekers' asses? I mean, we know because death tells her later that had she done so she would have died because she was next on the list, but that's not a thing that would have stopped her or should have stopped her. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is a lesson the Charmed Ones take entirely the wrong way when later in the show they will actively avoid trying to help people because it could get them killed, and if they are killed, then they will not be able to help people in the future, which is not great logic, but yeah, the reason death stopped her is because... She would have died had she fought the Seekers, which, no. I mean, to to quote to quote one of the audience shout out lines from Rocky Horror Picture Show, when uh, when Janet says she's saving herself, and the audience line is for what a rainy day. Look outside, it's pouring. Yeah, I really I don't like the whole thing where Death is like, look, I. I, I had to let that guy die, so th- or I had to make sure that that guy died because otherwise you would have died. It really, it doesn't hit. This could have just been an episode about Prue needing to accept the inevitability of death. And honestly, I feel like I would have liked it better if Prue had cast a spell to stop the inspector from dying. I mean, we all, we all know the monkey's paw, right? Yeah. Like, this... Also, we already saw a better version of this in the episode, the... The, the episode where Piper got sick. Mm, yeah. We already saw a better version of this story. And I, I mean, don't know. I, li- I liked it before we started talking about it more. Well, I 
mean, the thing that I really have a problem with is I don't think the show establishes to my satisfaction a decent motivation for Prue to not get involved with the Seekers there. It's like the the actions, the, the lesson follows the actions instead of the actions following the lesson. Like, she doesn't attack them because she has learned that she must accept death, not she learns that she must accept death, therefore she doesn't attack them. Like, it, there's not, the motivation isn't properly fleshed out there for me. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that Xena also did this episode. Uh-huh. And I'm going to talk about it because I feel like they did it better. In the Xena episode, uh, Sisyphus captures death. This is before he dies and, you know, goes to Hades and does the rolling up the ball. You know, yeah, the, uh-huh. He knows death is coming for him, so he uh, he tricks her and he traps her. And then... Like you do. And then no one can die. Right. Jack-Jack, get in my sack. Yeah. And Xena and Gabrielle end up, they meet a guy who, like, used to work in the King's Castle, but was also friends with Gabrielle when they were kids or something. And they have a little romance because it was season one when they were still heterosexual. Mm -mm. But uh, the guy reveals over the course of the episode that, uh, that he's dying. He's been dying for a long time. He's in a lot of pain. And because of what the king did, he can't die. Okay. And he's trapped, and he needs to convince Sisyphus. Like, he, they end up getting him into the castle, and he talks Sisyphus into letting death go. Because he's like, look, I know you're scared. I know that for a lot of people, death is bad, obviously. But death is also a release. Death is a necessary thing. You know, blah, blah, blah. There is a point to death. There is a very... Mm-hmm. Solid point to death. They don't really talk about the nightmare scenario where people trying to kill animals for food can't do it. Mostly the the thing we get is a bandit tribe that thinks that they are, like, blessed by the gods because Xena kills them and then they don't die and they spend the rest of the episode trying to kill Xena. Ah. But also some people need to die. And they can't if you have death chained up in a, uh, in your dining room. That's a better episode. I mean, that's... And that, that episode is more what you expect to see with, like, a trying-to-stop death episode. Yeah. I... Yeah, I just... I don't, I don't feel like Prue has been sufficiently convinced to not do this. Especially because Prue... I get convincing her that you can't fight the angel of death. Especially because we had the scene already where she was, like, throwing punches and he was completely just standing there yeah but that doesn't mean she shouldn't try to stop the seekers they're not a force of the universe they're vampires yeah yeah i don't know it again they did it better before and it didn't bother me when i was watching it but like upon reflection the the morals kind of because i mean it is a good lesson and it does play into prue's character that she is the sort of person who doesn't accept death who buries other more complicated emotions under stuff like anger mm-hmm. but uh yeah so meanwhile the seekers are still alive and they're trying to kill cole at the manor so now the sisters are racing to the manor so that they can stop the seekers from killing cole because i guess i was gonna say maybe this would be a job for wards but i guess they'd probably keep cole out of the uh <laughs> manor too but yeah, I guess I guess Cole um, isn't marked by death, so he gets to get saved. I do 
appreciate Cole. Cole is fighting back. Uh, and it's really messing up the house. It's weird. He doesn't have fireballs. He has energy balls that burst into flames when they come in contact with stuff. Yeah. They're huh. like concussion grenade balls. But the seekers get the better of him and they're going to tear into his meaty man flesh and devour all of his darkest secrets. But then Prue bursts in and just telekinetically throws them across the room. Boy, that seems incredibly easy. Right? And... Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. They, they, there's some kickboxing. The seekers get knocked out. And of course, now we have the power of three spell. But but this first, is the only time Piper uses her powers in the episode. It's really weird that I mean. Oh, Piper! You mean you mean uh, Prue uses her powers? Piper no. doesn't use powers at all. No, I mean like doing the vanquishing spell is the only time oh. that Piper uses any magic in this episode. Yeah, there's no time freezing in this episode. Yeah, it's also kind of it. It I know I've been overusing the. It's weird that. Piper tends to call, well, I mean, I mean, I get it, I guess, that Phoebe and Prue are the ones who go in fighting, mm -hmm. but Piper and Cole have, like, a non-relationship. Prue doesn't like Cole, Phoebe loves Cole, Piper's whatever on Cole, but See, she's the one tending to him while the two of them kick the crap out of the Seekers before they power of three them to death. See, what's weird to me is, I understand, we see, like, Prue wailing on the Seekers because she's got a lot of aggression to get out right now. But we know that Phoebe has learned kickboxing. Why? Why is Prue suddenly a kickboxing expert? I mean, this has been since the beginning of season three. For some reason, now Prue is very, very into hand-to-hand -hand combat. But Leo orbs in, and Phoebe's, like, a little bit late. And he's like, yeah, the elders told me not to interfere, also, when do I ever interfere with fights? Come on. Yeah, Prue had to learn an important lesson. And it's like, what? what is... No, no. Insuff unearned. Unearned. That's what I'm going to say about this episode. So, Leo tells Piper that he's realized, thanks to his proximity to Prue's lesson, that life is short and you need to appreciate it while you've got it and if she doesn't like the lamp then they can just get rid of the lamp and piper's like no you're right life is short and if it's important to you it's important to me oh no i knocked it onto the ground what a tragedy oh no that's figurines your mother gave us yeah also we see it like burn out it was symbolic of your love piper Ugh. yeah i mean if nothing else that seems like it might be bad luck so, for me, I was imagining that lamp as being, um, like, the shade of giving someone knives for their wedding. It's bad luck to give, uh, to give somebody knives on their wedding because it symbolizes the severing of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody's getting married and you don't think the wedding is a good idea, that's a good way to throw shade. Um, I will admit I have done it before, but only when they have actually registered for knives. I've bought the knives off the registry. And, um... Well, you can literally they were asking for it yes yes and now i feel like the uh, the lamp was kind of the same thing it's like they knew that piper was going to immediately smash it yes exactly although in theory it was an accident but come on come on so uh prue is crying on the beach because she has learned to feel all of her feels and uh death shows up 
And, and, and Death shows up and Prue's like, um, wait, why didn't I fight the demons? And Death's like, ah, because if you had, you would have died because you were the next person on my list. And she's like, oh. Yeah, we talked about that But I didn't know that. So why didn't I fight the demons? No, she doesn't say that. Like this, like I'm saying, this is not, actions don't logically follow from, from information in this episode. Yeah. Again, I don't like the whole she was next on his list thing. I would have liked this scene better if it was just her crying on the beach I mean, I, I do like the stuff that that Death is saying to her. We, we've mentioned it before. I got some of the order of it wrong when it came into the episode, but this is where he tells her, like, look, you, go, you are going to have to accept the inevitability of these things. As I've been saying all episode, uh, it's you, you literally, you can't save everyone, and the more time goes on, the more people you are going to lose. And you need to feel those losses because suppressing them leads to bad things trying to cover them up with easy emotions like anger leads to bad things and it needs to still hurt like far down the line when you've lost way more people than you've lost now those losses still need to hurt you or else you'll lose track of the mission also this you're, is a lot of effort for someone who's not going to be around in six months. I was just going to say, also, you're important enough to the universe that you needed to stick around. See you in six months. <laughs> but, I mean, to be to be kind of fair, I, I mean, I know that you can't, I know that you can't read fiction in this way, but to be fair, they really didn't know at this point that they were going to write off Shannon Doherty. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't hate this episode. I feel like it's a pretty solid episode. Again, scrutiny is not its friend. I would have liked it better if they hadn't had that thing about her being next on the list. If this had just been about death teaching her that you need to... Again, I I can't get into the thing that I've said multiple times. But if it was just about death teaching her a lesson about how important feelings are... That would have landed better with me than this weird thing where... I think this episode was fine in concept and weak in execution. No pun intended. Yeah, and the stuff with her mom felt kind of thrown in. Her mom's a good stepping point for her thinking about death more. See, that felt real to me. The stuff with the mom felt real. Then, Then I feel like they should have hit it harder. And honestly, they should have just cut the Piper Leo subplot. It's barely in it, so it's not, like, worth getting mad about, but, like... For a Prue-centric episode, this really should have been way more one-on-ones with Prue and Death. Come on, do that, uh, what, what's that German film's name again? The Seventh Seal. Yeah, the, the one where the guy plays chess with Death, Seventh Seal. Yeah, just Seventh Seal it up, come on. Like, have it just be a weird, moody art piece. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I know, we'll challenge Death to a wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> Oh, but that's it for this episode. Yeah, that'll about do it. Uh, what have we got next time? Our next episode is called Pre-Witched. And according to the Peacock description, the sisters face being separated as newlyweds Piper and Leo plan to get their own home. Okay, I have no memories of this, but... I do remember this, and I mentioned to you before that the episode felt really annoying to me or i remember it feeling annoying because 
oh gee, I wonder if that's gonna stick. And for whatever reason, it really bothered me in this episode. That's my memory of it. We'll see if that's true when we re- when we rewatch it. Well, it's like that episode of Full House where it's like, oh no, are they gonna really sell the Full House? No, it's halfway through a season. They're obviously not gonna do that. But yeah, I'm thinking you attempt to do this like, I guess this is the first real time that they're doing it, but. They attempt to do this about once a season where they're up. Is is one of the sisters moving out? Is, or in Paige's case, will Paige move in? Are we going to actually break the power of three? The thing this whole show is based on? Which, no. I mean, they do for short bursts. Like, uh, mostly with Phoebe. Phoebe moves out when uh, she first when she marries Cole and they move into the evil apartment. Got it. Love that bit. It's a, it's a really good apartment. Although I can't imagine having an elevator that opens directly into my apartment. Really? I think it's awesome. No, I think it's cool, but it would be weird, right? Well, like, I guess you probably have you to put your key You need a special key, key card to yeah. get to that floor. Yeah, it's not like anyone can just come up there. Yeah. And uh, they, they do it a couple of times with Phoebe because she does it with Cole. And then she does it, like, either in the last or second to last season where she makes a big deal out of getting her own condo oh god i totally forgot about that which why is that a plot even like really <laughs> i feel like piper is the one who wants to leave the most but actually makes moves to leave the least she piper's the one who most wants to leave and and who most can't she she can't quit the house Mm-hmm. i mean that is prime real estate that is, that house would be oh worth my so much god I right mean, mystical center of your powers or whatever aside oof i should i should look up that house and see cuz it just recently sold i should see what it sold for yeah i'm going to i'm going to do that remind me to do that so much like the charmed ones we have our own power of 3 uh, the first power in our pack is Premonition. Who in this episode is, was, or will become famous? I believe you had someone for this. Okay, so um, this is like a true Premonition. This is only the second on-screen appearance of Michaela Watkins. Um, if you don't know who Michaela Watkins is, you've definitely seen her on television. She's like a perennial, hey, it's that gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I, I first became aware of her as the second wife on Trophy Wife, the uh, the gr- crunchy granola one. And ever since then, I see her I see her all the time. And I'm like, oh, it's the woman from Trophy Wife. Uh, she is in a lot of stuff. Yeah, she was in um, The New Adventures of Old Christine, Catastrophe, Enlightened, Search Party, Backup Plan, Modern Family. Like, she's she's been everywhere. Yeah, she was one of the lesbians in Modern Family, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah. So, she also was on a single season of Saturday Night Live. Oh. The same single season that Casey Wilson was in. Oh. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Especially because then she is in Marry Me. Not the new Jennifer Lopez movie, but the... Based on a webcomic. Based on a webcomic. But the show that Casey Wilson and Ken Marino did as a follow-up to Happy Endings. Like... Was Ken Marino ever in Happy Endings? I'm really surprised because he seems oh. like he and Casey Wilson are real life friends. Oh, yeah. No. Um. Does he ever appear in Happy Endings? Actually, I don't think he does, but they're in a lot of other stuff together. Yeah. And, and when I say follow up too, I don't mean like it was a spinoff or something. It's just the next thing Casey Wilson did. Yeah. And it, it kind of is, the, it's the same tonally, like tonally it's the successor. Yes. 
So, yeah, Michaela Watkins, that is my premonition for this week. I'm, I didn't look it up, but I am almost 100% sure that the guy who plays the Angel of Death was a demon on Buffy. He was a demon on the Angel. Oh. Do you remember who, or? I do not. Yeah, he has real, like, for just a second, I thought he might be Rack, but I, he, he wasn't. He wasn't Rack. Although Rack, Rack was on a previous episode of Charmed. R- Rack was on a previous episode of Charmed, which is how I knew he wasn't Rack, because okay. I'm like, nope, the guy who played Rack was already on a, you know different episode honestly he um, was also kralik and buffy but they got to double dip because you know he had demon makeup on when he was kralik so they're like that that actor's creepy let's bring him back as someone else honestly the uh the buffy demon angel demon charmed demon crossover is so vast that on the charmed wiki they note when a demon did not appear on buffy or angel as a demon yeah I believe that will bring us to our second segment, Time Freeze. What, if anything, specifically dated this episode? I didn't really have anything. Yeah, there wasn't really anything time-specific in this episode. Nothing where I was like, oh, it wouldn't work like that. Um, yeah, I have no Time Freeze this episode. Which is appropriate, since Piper does not use Time Freeze in this episode. That is true. That is true. That will bring us to our last segment, telekinesis what if anything genuinely moved you so i'm just gonna say this i do really like death's speeches about his role i it's it's sort of i wish the episode supported them more i wish there was more around them but the guy who plays death does a really good job and he does a really good job of portraying this aloof but not callous he he's mean or he he's he's forthright without being really mean i mean he he's a little mean to, i don't know it's he's, he, he walks he's outside of human emotions right like he's he's not compassionate because compassion is foreign to him he's just death he's you know not really mean because cruelty is outside of his experience but he's also not kind so yeah. Yeah, it's he does kind of mock Prue when Prue cuz Prue summons him and then immediately is like, "You know what? Go away. I don't want to talk to you. You took my mom from me." And he's like, "Oh, and, and, poor little baby. I stole your mom." Yeah, he he does mock her, but then he's like, "I didn't take your mom from you." The water demon did. Yeah, like again, I can't go into his speech because I've said it like 5,000 times. I really like his speech. I just wish that the episode kind of did more with it. I wish I wish it did more with the character. He shows up a few times after this. I remember liking his later uh, appearances better, so we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Again, he's not a bad guy, but he's also not really someone you can communicate with or relate to. Can't grab a beer with him. No, you cannot grab a beer with death. He's... All of the things I've said multiple times this episode. Did you have one? I didn't, but I did have one of our secret powers. Ooh, which secret power did you have? Astral projection. What made you astral? Oh, was it Phoebe weirdly doing the baby voice at the beginning of the episode when she's making her sandcastle? Phoebe doing the baby voice when she was making her sandcastle made me want to leave my body. It was so cringe. We touched on it so briefly, but it is a huge part before she gives into her whole, no, uh, sandcastles are zen and... 
the impermanence is the point of them before that she has this like speech about how she's the queen of castle phoebe and all of her subjects will love her forever and it's all done in Alyssa milano's baby voice that part doesn't even bother me that much because that's clearly just her playing around and joking around but then when she's like talking to prue and she keeps going with the baby voice and it's just like no stop yeah i don't care for it don't like it don't like it it, it just, it always makes me think of, uh, is it Abby Milan? Uh, Kristen Milati. Kristen oh. Milati's character in, uh. 30 Rock. Who's, I think, Abby. Abby is the character's name, yeah. Where, uh, where Tina, uh, Liz Lemon asks her to stop with the sexy baby voice, and she's like, it's not a voice. I'm a really sexy baby. I'm a very sexy baby. God. <laughs> <laughs> god i wish that was more than a one episode character because she's so great yes i do too and i, I you know what i just want good things for Kristen Milati. She, she deserved better than ted absolutely she did i mean we can't we can't relitigate the end of how i met your mother again but oh my god the show does her character so dirty so i think that does it for us i believe that will do it for us this week our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at... I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. <laughs>